Good evening from Plunkett Studios in Largo, Florida. I'm Scott. I'm Abram. And we are here with episode 568 of F5 Live Refreshing Technology for Sunday, August 2nd, 2020. This show is a proud part of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. This week... Uh Uh-oh. There we go. This week, (laughs) TikTok is starting to sink, Xbox Live is going free, and Patreon is paying for its policies. Wherever you are and however you're accessing our show, whether it be on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or Snapchat, through a podcatcher like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, or a myriad of other options, through any of our live stream platforms, livestream.com, Twitch, Periscope, YouTube, or Facebook, or on our website, pluckitslive.com. Thank you for making us a part of your day. There are two ways that you can do this. Uh, you can join us live Sunday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern at f5live.tv slash join us. There you can chat with us during the show and give your feedback on the topics as we talk about them. Or you can always subscribe at pluckitslive.com slash subscribe. There you'll see all of our shows, including F5 Live, Pilch Point, Pluck It's Live Presents, and a whole lot more. And of course, find all of the ways that you can watch or listen. Avram, how are you doing tonight? Not bad. Not bad. Not bad at all. Uh, somewhat of a quiet weekend. Uh, but, you know, always opportunities uh, for my son and I to work on stuff. This is actually, we built this a couple of days before the weekend, I should be honest, and, and, and for work. But my son helped me. This uh, this here, uh, well, first of all, what does this look like to you? Well, it's an NES. For those who are, are listening, <laughs> I am showing a Lego thing that looks like an NES. Yes, it does. Uh, it is actually technically not Lego. Uh, it is Lego compatible. It is okay. Yeah, uh, it is not official brand Legos, uh, but uh, it is not just a uh, a Lego like re- representation of an NES. I have extracted from it because I need it for other testing, but uh, in here is supposed to go inside is supposed to go a Raspberry Pi. This is a Raspberry Pi case. Nice. Uh, uh, and you use it uh, to well simulate what it's like to play on an NES uh, in buildable format. Nice. Um, this is called the Retro Brick. Um, and uh, I thought it was kind of cute, so I thought I'd, I'd show everyone who's watching uh this is uh this set i think it's it's like under 30 bucks there's 307 pieces it took us like an hour and a half to build uh okay so if you're building yourself a retro system uh out of a raspberry pi mind you this only works with the raspberry pi 3 and 2 not with the latest with the 4 although i guess if you took a few bricks out unofficially if you took a few of the side bricks out you could probably fit the 4 but it's not a um you know, with the full instructions, it's not exactly slightly doesn't fit a four. Um, but anyway, uh, it was, it's, uh, it's not a supported, it to, it, it's not a supported usage. It's not supported usage. Although all you, since these are Lego bricks or Lego light bricks, you just remove a couple of extra bricks and you probably would fit. Uh, but it's not easy to take your, uh, your system in and out of this. You have to kind of un, take it apart a little bit to get to get something out gotcha uh so that's that's a negative you can't get to your micro sd card without taking it out so that's a negative 
but uh, it's cute. It so, is, you know, even if you're uh, cute, cute is fun. Even if you were to never put the raspberry pie in there, it's kind of cool looking just on its own. Right. I took I took it out and rebuilt the top of it, so I'll have it because I had to use the pie that I was using for this to test other cases because sure. I'm testing some others now uh, that aren't as cute. Uh, but I have to say that if you were, let's say, making a gift for someone, which, you know, makes a lovely gift, you take, you know, install Retro Pi, the, the leading emulation software on an SD card, you buy, a, um, you know, you buy a Raspberry Pi, you put it in here, you know, it'd be a lovely, lovely little uh, retro gift for, for someone. For so. sure. It's just my two cents. It's the kind for, of thing that uh, I would love to get in August. It's the kind of thing that I would love to get. So yeah. I, I'm totally with you. That's as somebody yeah. who has uh, in the office right now has several actual working NESs. It's the kind, those are the kind of thing that like I get excited yeah. about. So it's definitely yeah. a win. Um, well, before we get into the news tonight, uh, we have a topic that we need to talk about, and that is what CES 2021 is going to look like. We learned this week that it's going all digital, um, which is not a surprise. You and I have talked about the uh, the likelihood and kind of our hopes that it would go that way so that we wouldn't have to make the decision. <laughs> um yeah, yeah, I'm I'm glad. I'm glad that CES is going all digital. Uh, you know, for those in the audience who maybe were like, "Hey, what are you guys talking about inside baseball?" a little bit. See, uh, there's been some discussion about CES, the show formerly known as the Consumer Electronics Show, but now they just want to go by CES because they think it's it's cooler and they don't want to only be known as a Consumer Electronics Show. Uh-huh. Uh, you know biggest biggest show of the year for the tech industry and up until this week there were still the pretense that they were going to have a show mm-hmm. and they were sending uh folks like us journalists and i'm sure also uh more importantly to the to the cta which runs it uh clients people who are buying the booths mm-hmm. and, and paid attendees surveys saying like what would it take to get you to come to las vegas if we had a bus that had no top on it uh, you know, so you were in the open air when we're carting you around. Would that be okay? If we took everyone's temperature at the door, if we made everybody take a COVID test every day, um, how they would actually make that happen, I have no idea. But I think that was one of the questions. Like, if we tested people every morning or something. Yeah, I think you're uh, right. I mean, unless there's some enhanced uh, access to rapid testing, uh, then that we don't have now. I mean, I understand that like at the White House, they have 15 minute testing, but uh, for however many tens of thousands of people attending CES right. every day, right? Um, good luck with that. Um, Hundred, so 122,000 last year for 2020, I think. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> assuming that not all, assuming that a lot less people would count. Yeah. But, um, but but yeah, let's say it was even twenty thousand. Right. I mean that's that's crazy. So so I mean what I said to my coworkers and I've said this to to Scott and I've said this on social media and elsewhere is like it doesn't matter what the trade show does. Like I mean it matters a little bit, but not not enough. Right. You know, like they could 
They could promise me that every other person on the show floor has tested is negative for COVID-19. They could promise it to me. They could even, even if it could possibly be true that they could prove beyond the shadow of a doubt, which is impossible because someone could have been exposed, you know, like five minutes before they took the test and then they don't have uh-huh. the antibody yet or whatever. Um, but even if they could with beyond the shadow of a doubt prove that nobody on nobody within the convention center uh, would have COVID-19, which they can't claim and they can't prove um, under any circumstances, you still have to get there, Mm -hmm, right? Exactly. So that means flying to Las Vegas. That means being in Las Vegas. That means being out in, you know, and I don't blame Las Vegas specifically, like any business trip has this. Yeah, has this potential. Yeah, drawback. right. You've got you've got travel time. You've got hotels. You've got restaurants. You've got Ubers. You've got all these things that are not part of your life or my life today. That right. that would be insane. And then on top of it, you know, I can guarantee for me, I can guarantee if it had happened that the CTA would have put some serious rules on top of what my studio could do right with social distancing and stuff and the audience doesn't know how small my platform is but i think you've seen it that it's not a lot of space to try and i mean to try and do our studio and have a distance between the hosts and the guests oh my wouldn't be possible I, I don't know how you would do anything that you need to do at the show with the kind of yeah. social distancing that people would expect to happen. Uh, but to me, the nightmare scenario, and I'll just, you know, wrap it up with this, I guess, is what happens if you're on a business trip, any business trip, but see, let's take CES, for example, mm-hmm. and you get sick while you're yeah. there. Yeah. So you maybe you got infected on the plane or in the airport mm-hmm. you're there for like a week what if like three days in i mean you know people have been known to get symptoms as as quickly as after a few days mm-hmm. right um you now you're sick but you're not home right you're in a hotel uh you can't you're not supposed to fly home because you shouldn't be going to the airport or getting on a plane mm-hmm. uh if you have it right uh, I mean, I suppose some people probably would. They would do whatever is necessary to get home. But um, which you know, just if you're being a which, good citizen and doing what you're supposed to which do, which creates a problem for all the all the people in the airport and the airplane. <laughs> right, right. But if you're doing what I'm saying is, but if you're being a good person, right. being a good citizen and doing what you're supposed to do, you shouldn't go home. So now you're stuck in Las Vegas in a hotel by yourself mm-hmm. with no one to take care of you right by all rights you shouldn't even leave the hotel room to go to go get food at the food court um and if you were so sick that you ended up in the hospital well the hospital would take care of you but the majority of people who get COVID 19 are not so sick right. that they end up in the hospital uh but they are they are very sick for a long period of time so so now you're talking about I'm not home. I'm in a hotel. I have to keep paying for my hotel indefinitely mm-hmm. while I'm sick. My only recourse to get food is room service. Uh, like I don't even know. And what happens if I don't know? Like what happens if I find out? You know, like they refuse to seat me on the plane because they think I might be sick, even though I don't know it. Now I have to go. Ch- like, what yeah. if the hotel yeah. does? What if I can't afford to stay in the hotel? Like, 
like you're stranded in the middle of no like what if you're stranded in the, away from home and you're sick to me that's the biggest nightmare that i could one of the biggest nightmares i could possibly imagine yeah because i can tell you um my mother during ces this year was sick and she had an entire support group around her and it was still weird because she was in the she was sick in the wrong place you know and i mean we have all the benefits of of staying in a condo and having you know eight people living with us and you know all, so there's a support group we're living in a regular home we've got a cvs on the corner you know there's all those things and it was still weird <laughs> because she's in the wrong right. place <laughs> so if you take right. If you take all of those amenities away, the condo, literally the CVS on the corner. Thank God for that, by the way. Uh, the the support group, you know that you take all of that away. Oh, yes, it's no so good. So who like and who's gonna? I mean, there's nothing that they could do that would that would make it for certain that wouldn't happen. Yeah, exactly. I just, like, I being sick here is bad enough. And possibly yeah. with a disease that, that, by the way, often leaves permanent damage. Mm -hmm. But being sick, being incredibly sick on your own with no one to take care of you in a hotel no, with no one no in good. sight. No good. So, so with that, with CES going all digital this year, um, obviously that's going to make our coverage different. Um, the, the TPN coverage obviously is different than the, than the Tom's hardware coverage, but this is still going to change what it looks like for both of us because, you know, yep. you're not going to be able to walk around the show floor and do videos or go to, to suites and see things ahead of time. We're not going to be able to have guests come up to our studio and do interviews. So here's what we want to know from our fans with a, an all digital conference. What kind of coverage can we provide for you guys that would be informative? There's going to be digital press conferences, as you would expect from an event like this. There's also going to be, and we don't have a whole lot of detail on this, but some sort of a digital show floor. Again, don't know what that means yet, um, but at some point, hopefully we will. Um, but, you know, what can we create um, with, because the thing that we always talk about with CES is, our access is different. Even if you could get into the show floor, our access is different than yours would be. So using our access to the show, to the exhibitors, to the to the press conferences and stuff, what can we do to, uh, to bring news to you? What kind of format would make sense? So find us on social media. Um, you can get us um, the card at the beginning or uh, in the post, but basically at Plug Hits Live, basically anywhere you are, um, or uh, at Tom's Hardware basically anywhere you are. Uh, let us know what kind of coverage uh, for a show like that would make sense uh, so we can start planning because we don't do any of it for us. <laughs> we don't go out there and right. cover this stuff I mean, for I, us. We do it for I, our viewers. So, I was talking about this with a colleague this week, and, and there's no question that the quality of coverage is going to suffer a great deal sure. for everybody. It has to because the coolest stuff that happens, and, and you know, obviously I'm looking at this as a journalist um, is when you find this little scoop mm -hmm. that you weren't supposed to find, right? Yes. Maybe there was something on display in a booth that 
what it was it was a product but it wasn't mentioned in the press release but here it is in the booth yeah and maybe it wasn't even supposed to be there maybe it was a mistake you know or or somebody, you, you know, you talk to somebody, or you find some small company, get some information or you find some small company that nobody's ever heard of. My best example of of cool stuff coming out of CES was Benji Locke, you know, meeting him, meeting Robbie before anybody else knew who he was. Right. You that happens because you're there physically. Mm -hmm. That will not it just won't yeah. happen digitally. It. You know, everything, everyone will see the same press materials. Everyone will get the same pictures. Mm -hmm. Everybody will get the same information. Right. Uh, so it, I think it will be very difficult for anyone to stand out. Right. Which is the reason why I'm curious what we can do for our viewers, for yeah. our listeners, for our readers. What can we do? That would make the coverage interesting for you because there are going to be all kinds of restrictions, yeah. all kinds of limitations put on top of of us because of the fact that we're not all together. Um, so, you know, how can we get around that for you? What can we do to take the information we have and make it more interesting for our listeners, our viewers, our our readers? So definitely let us know because um, we've got a couple of months to start planning um, what it will look like. Um you know, for our live show, we may do some remote stuff. We might do some some press conference coverage. Who knows? It all depends on what you guys want. So that's that. Uh, <laughs> let us know what you're hoping for. But with that, let's get down to some news. This week's Nifty Gifties on F5 Live is proudly powered by the Microsoft Store. Whether you're looking for a new laptop, a tablet, a new Xbox One, games, or a whole lot more, you can get them at the Microsoft Store. And remember that current students and active military can save up to 10% on almost everything. And to find all the deals that are running right now and to find out about those discounts, you can go to f5live.tv slash Microsoft. All right, so we talked about this last week, and boy, have things changed. In just the last week, the uh, the the future of TikTok has gone from uh, questionable to nearly impossible. Um, care of the growing concerns. Oh, that's interesting. If you're watching, uh, the thing that just happened to Avram was fascinating. Um, anyway... Um, the growing concerns over, uh, privacy, security, things like that, um, with TikTok, uh, we won't get into all the details on that. If you want that, uh, we've written about it. We've talked about it a lot. Um, but on Friday, um, uh, coming back from, uh, an event, uh, president Trump told reporters that, uh, he intended to put a, an outright ban on TikTok in the coming days. Um, today, um, uh, Secretary of State uh, Pompeo said that uh, it's coming uh, in the next, uh, I believe the quote was, in the coming days, which probably means Monday or Tuesday. Uh, and that comes at the same time, because last week we talked about um, 
the different ways that the the parent company ByteDance was trying to deal with this impending doomsday scenario. And one of them was by uh, selling the brand to an American company. Several American companies have been in discussion, but apparently the front runner has been Microsoft, um, which is uh, an interesting move, though if they were to deal with it the same way they did with with LinkedIn, uh, it might actually work. Uh, but the idea of selling to an American company in an attempt to appease the U.S. government comes at a weird time as uh, four of the big tech companies were all hauled in front of the U.S. government to uh, account for their behaviors. So... Selling to an American company is far from uh, uh, a guarantee that the government will be like, oh, well, yeah, well, now we're fine. And and to uh, to an evidence of that is that uh, Trump said that he would not support a deal with uh, Microsoft. So um, that puts the company in a really dangerous place. It does. I mean, here's the thing, though. I mean, when you say, does it appease the government, there's mm -hmm. there's no the government, right? There's there's Congress, and then yeah. there's the executive branch, and then there's the Senate, and, you know, they have different uh, different requirements. True. Different, different interests, right? So, and then you have the FTC, you have the FTC, you have the FCC, you've got other uh, communication right. stuff involved. Right. So it's this is one of those situations where it's not 100% clear where the line between security and politics, uh, mm -hmm. you know, is drawn, right? Like True. how much of this is security and how much of it is uh, TikTok, uh, you know, um, has a lot of people on TikTok have done things that have kind of irked the president a little bit, uh, like the people who were doing the uh, getting the tickets for the Tulsa rally that didn't show up. A bunch of teenagers doing that. Sure. That was all done through TikTok. Yeah, uh, there have been a lot of uh, unflattering uh, parody. There's been some unflattering parodies of the president on TikTok. So you know. You know, keep keep in mind that uh, sometimes when the social network does stuff that uh, the executive branch currently doesn't like, they they talk about regulation, as happened in the case with uh, with with uh, threatening to remove the safe harbor because uh, because of Twitter putting um, just what do you call it? warnings disclaimers on, on Trump tweets. So. Um, you know, one would think that turning over the business to Microsoft would should solve any legitimate uh, concerns about information being shared with the Chinese government. Um, so I know that the ACLU was actually is actually trying to stop uh, TikTok from um, trying to stop the government from uh from banning TikTok um on the premise that it's it's banning a form of speech and obviously as as I believe you you said well you know there are other ways to communicate out there besides TikTok uh but 
you know, it, it, it is a little bit chilling that you could have a branch of the government decide that like a social media site, you know, we don't like the conversation going on there. So, so we're going to, you know, we're going to, going to cut it. I feel like every, a lot of these security decisions that are being made, not just with TikTok, but with Huawei, um, I think that uh, the government uh, really needs to uh, to put up or shut up, right? Like, if there really is a security security problem, then they need to provide some evidence of that uh, to to the to the world or to the American people, rather than vaguely saying that something is a security threat uh, because or, or at least you know, this is interfering with the business, or at least to. Uh... Because you know, it's if it's a if it's a true security threat, they may not be able to release what that security threat is to the people, but at least to the other branches, right? <laughs> That's the whole checks and balances thing, right? So just because the right, executive right. branch says says uh, there's a security threat, well, let's let's give it to uh, let's get the security council together in the in the Senate. Let's I mean, you know let's let's discuss it and let the branches talk together. All- but you know, a lot of it, yeah, a lot of it could probably be disclosed. But in fairness, there is the possibility that something couldn't be disclosed. Just wanted to put that out there. Yeah, I'm sure they can't disclose every secret method or whatever. But it, it, it you know, don't expect. I mean, I, I think most people in America, on all sides, political sides, have a, a welcome distrust of when when the when the U.S. government says. We have to do such and such because security, but we won't tell you. Uh-huh. We won't tell you any more than that. Yeah. Like that's, you know, that has a rich history of, of being an excuse. So, I think people. I think uh, especially since especially people, following the Patriot Act. Right. Uh, so I think people, you know, being banned from using a product like Huawei or a service like TikTok. Uh, you know, I think we we deserve we deserve a, a more information, more transparency about why that would happen. Because I mean, I don't think America wants its businesses being summarily banned uh, in other in other countries because because security uh-huh. without uh, without some type of of explanation. Sure. So, you know, I I don't think this is a good practice. And but if you are if security is a real concern then then offloading it to a a u.s partner should be sufficient uh should be sufficient to address that concern at least not at least after some sort of a transition time why are we here at least after some sort of a transition time because there's going to be you know there's going to be technology transitions and stuff like that so you know there'd be a period of time where it may not be solved but yes the end result of Microsoft taking over should theoretically be uh, a solution to the concern. The Chinese government no longer owns I mean, the product because ByteDance is technically uh, a, a government corporation. Um, so it Microsoft taking over should alleviate that problem. So the concern over yeah. the, the I wouldn't support a Microsoft takeover... Uh, that's a little worrying. Yeah. Also, doesn't the government already have huge contracts with uh, with Azure? Isn't oh. there a huge defense contract with Azure? Oh, 
Absolutely, there is. Um, uh, Microsoft. So, Microsoft. Are we saying we can't trust Microsoft? Now? Right. Exactly. Yeah, it's it is all very strange. Because <laughs> um, obviously, the government, the military, trusts Microsoft, or Jedi wouldn't have been awarded to them. Uh, so you know. Uh, This week is going to be a weird one. That I'm just going to put that out there now. The 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 next seven days between now and the next show, the stuff that happens regarding TikTok and ByteDance are going to be fascinating. And as much as I'm kind of tired of the topic, there is almost a 0% chance that we will not be revisiting this again next Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> because it... It's a little bit like watching a reality show where where you're like, oh, I can't believe they got voted off. And, and you're like, I don't want to watch this. I can't keep watching this. And then you tune in the next week. Because <laughs> it's just too bonkers <laughs> to not follow. And, you know, there's a lot of precedents uh, potentially being set here because there's a very different situation. Yes, the the Huawei thing is... is uh, intense but it's different when you're talking about you know preventing eight telecoms from making purchases versus every consumer in in the u.s being banned from a product or service it's a you know it's a they're different conversations um and so this is this could be a big move set a potentially scary precedent or you know, if they can back up the security thing, uh, a, a potentially like st- strong uh, precedent. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how this week goes. Uh, like I said, there is almost no chance we won't be back here next Sunday. So I guess <laughs> watch for updates. This week's Pilch Point is proudly powered by PureVPN. Make your data your own. The best way to protect your on, your privacy online is with PureVPN. You can hide your online activities, say goodbye to regional restrictions, and improve your streaming quality. Plus, it's available for almost all of your devices, and you can get a special price and a 31-day money-back guarantee by going to pilchpoint.live slash purevpn. You know what I wonder since we were, since you bring up VPN? Yes. I wonder <laughs> I wonder if uh, people will start using a VPN service so that they can use TikTok uh, if it's banned in the United States. It is a fascinating question and uh, it is exactly what happened in India. Uh, the moment India banned it and somehow they managed to figure out how to how to keep the ban in place through VPNs. Don't know how it works, but I know India pulled it off. That could be a selling point for someone's VPN. Though. Could be. Hey, we, we, uh, our VPN works with TikTok. Um, you know, if it, it's an interesting so. point, and uh, if it, if it gets banned this week, the first thing I'll do is test to see if I can get around it with pure VPN because I personally have an account. So. Yeah, that so that could be that could be a selling point. So, uh, 
So uh, this week, uh, there were just a lot I wanted to talk about. There's a lot of action going on in the chip world, uh, particularly around uh, NVIDIA being really ascendant. Uh, AMD also doing pretty well, and, and Intel... Uh, having having to disclose a major major uh, delay and disappointment. Uh, so, uh, since uh, our show logo is is green, we'll talk about Nvidia a bit more. <laughs> also, because Nvidia has a lot going on. Um, so, one thing uh, one thing that is uh, going on is Nvidia is really on the cusp, and we have a story about this on tomshardware.com, uh, really on the cusp of coming out with its new graphics card. They haven't announced their new Ampere graphics cards yet, what we believe will be called the RTX 3080, but they've stopped selling some of the major last-gen cards, uh, and you're having people are having a hard time getting them, which leads us to believe that we will see that new cards could be coming with uh, should be coming within the next month. Now we don't know this for a fact, but uh, when you when a company starts uh, cutting off supply of of an older flagship product, that means a new one is probably in the pipeline. Especially so, uh, especially when you're talking about video cards, which right now have been in a slightly higher demand anyway. So to cut that supply off now lends even more credence to that, to that concept. Right. So prices are going up because there's basically a shortage of RTX 2080 and RTX 2080 super cards. Uh, so it's, it seems like they, it seems like the long awaited, uh, codename Ampere cards could be coming very soon. Uh, we believe uh, early September, perhaps, maybe even sooner. Um, now, that's the video card part of the NVIDIA business. But we know that NVIDIA does a lot more than video cards. NVIDIA is big in artificial intelligence. They have the Jetson platform. They are doing uh, a lot. They're doing a lot of different things. And... This week, there's big rumors that NVIDIA could be buying ARM from SoftBank. That would be an earthquake in the tech space, in the chip market. Because for those who don't know, ARM doesn't make any processors, but they make they license the technology behind pretty much every mobile processor that exists. So And, and so many other things, right? Uh, so there's ARM processor, ARM-based processors in every single phone. Uh, Apple is now moving to ARM-based processors for its PCs. We see uh, we see them going into Internet of Things, into ARM processors, or in some servers. Uh, so ARM is becoming ARM is not becoming ARM has been huge, but ARM doesn't make anything. ARM comes out with uh, with the IP, and then they license it to companies like Qualcomm, Apple, NVIDIA, uh, smaller name companies like MediaTek, and all winner, uh, and, 
and a slew of different companies, many, many Chinese companies too, by the way. Um, and then those companies take this IP and then they turn it into their own, their own thing, their own chips. But, you know, ARM chips, while there are so many different manufacturers, they all have in common that they use the intellectual property from the ARM company. The ARM company, therefore, it's been kind of important that the ARM company not be too closely associated with any of these companies that use its products to use its IP to make product. What will happen if NVIDIA, uh, which you could argue whether or not they're a direct competitor to Qualcomm or they're a direct competitor to, uh, to Apple. I mean, they're not going directly into phones. At one point, NVIDIA was trying to get people to put Tegra in phones, but that, I don't know if there, a single phone ever came out with it. They're certainly not really trying anymore, but to have a single company own the, own, you know, own the license to the technology suggests that there's a possibility that companies would look elsewhere and we would see we would see other forms of processor pop up if NVIDIA takes control of ARM. Or at the very least, for the time being, companies that are maybe not totally directly competing with NVIDIA, but quite possibly, I mean, I think Qualcomm wants to get into AI and things like that. Uh, Qualcomm, you know, would have to license their tech from NVIDIA. So, app, you know, Apple, which does not use NVIDIA cards in its in its uh, computers would now have to do business with NVIDIA in order to make its bionic chips. So that's kind of an earthquake giving them, giving them control over this. It's almost, it, it's almost like what would happen if HP or Dell bought, went and bought Microsoft, bought windows, right? Would, how would the other companies feel about buying the operating system from their competitor? So this might be granted, this might be the uh, the the worst time ever for Intel to have uh, retired their their mobile division. Right. <laughs> uh, now, I mean, I don't know what would pop up in its place in ARM's place. Risk V, Risk V, maybe. I don't know. Maybe everyone will just be happy uh, and hope that Nvidia doesn't use the competitive advantage of having arm if they if they successfully uh complete this merger um if they don't use the competitive advantage of arm to strong arm their competitors because it would definitely put them in a really strong position nvidia maybe could then then go and, and try and get into more arm arm markets because if they own arm there certainly would be a lot of synergy there for them so who, who knows, but it definitely would be a big change. May, I don't know exa exactly what Qualcomm and Apple are thinking. Maybe they think this is because maybe they don't view NVIDIA as a huge competitor to them, but it, it is definitely, it definitely could, could be a concern for those companies and, and what the future of ARM might be if they buy it. So that's, uh, you know, that's something to keep in mind. Now, at the same time, what are what what are we seeing going on in the x86 world where AMD and, and Intel play? Intel announced this week 
that they are expect a huge delay to their seven nanometer CPUs. Uh, AMD has been on seven nanometer already for a year. We won't see seven nanometer from Intel until I think at least 2022. Well, that's not great. And their 10 nanometer desktop chips, I think we're also not gonna see for a while. So what we've got here is Intel basically admitting, hey, we're dropping the ball. We're seeing more delays. Some some heads have rolled there. Their stock price, at least at one point, dipped by, I think, 18%. And AMD's shot up. Uh, and NVIDIA has also had a pretty good, uh, good few weeks there also. Uh, it's now, most recently, at $424 a share. And about... Five days ago, it was at $409 a share. So it has been going up. So, you know, this is obviously not a good time for for Intel. And it is a very interesting time for the world of ARM. And AMD continues to be, to really be ascendant. Uh, but it looks like NVIDIA is also ascendant. You look at this. Wow, someone should have invested in NVIDIA. So in February, NVIDIA was $240 a share. Okay? Uh, on Friday, it was 424 So the stock price has nearly doubled in six months. That, that's, that's pretty impressive, right? And if they buy ARM, holy cow. Yeah, you won't. Can't blame them for wanting to. For sure, but the the thing obviously that we'll have to remember there is that they will still have to deal with the EU, who will not be happy about uh about that possibility, and all they'll need is for either Qualcomm or Apple to go, hey, but uh, and the the EU will get in the way hard. But of course, they've already considered that. <laughs> We we wouldn't be this this far along into the conversations where there's there's talk of interest if uh, if they hadn't already had conversations about that. So yeah, well, it'll be interesting to see what happens. It's certainly an exciting time in the in the world of CPUs and the in the chip business, but it also can be somewhat of a disappointing time <laughs> if you were hoping for some new uh, for some much more powerful Intel processors. Well, that is for sure. <laughs> um, obviously, I know you guys have uh, have got to have have uh, articles on this stuff, right? We we do. We ha uh, topshardware.com. We have an article about uh, the uh, the reasons why we think the new uh, Ampere chip is going to be coming out in the next month. We have a story on the homepage right now about the potential merger uh, between ARM and, and NVIDIA. And um, on our most recent episode of the Tom's Hardware Show, which you can find archives of on our site, but also on YouTube, on the Tom's Hardware channel on YouTube, uh, we discussed on this week's episode everything that's going on with Intel and why uh, and what they need to do and why they're, why they're failing. Well, I, you, you mentioned stock price. I am looking at 
at the the year over year right now. And almost exactly a year ago, uh, Nvidia stock price was at its lowest, uh, at one hundred and forty eight seventy seven on August fifteenth, and uh, the thirty first it was at its highest four twenty four fifty nine. So, what a difference a year makes! Basically, triple the stock wow. price. We should have bought <sighs> bought Nvidia. Certainly more than I have. I've got, I've got a little bit, but not. <laughs> Not enough to matter. Mm. Oh my goodness. Anyway, that's <sighs> disappointing. Uh, but good for them because they've definitely, like you said, between between their AI stuff, the demand for their video cards, and now the possibility of buying ARM, they're, they're definitely positioning themselves uh, as essential. So good on them. They've, they've found some niche. Anyway... Uh, I, I appreciate the topic because it's truly fascinating uh, what, what's going on there, and not everybody gets to follow it. So, as always, I appreciate it, and uh, I can't wait to see what we talk about next time. This week's Extra Life on F5 Live is probably powered by Razer. Get all the accessories you need to up your game on PC, console, or mobile devices from Razer. Whether you're looking for a gaming mouse and keyboard like we use here in the studio, uh, a webcam and or light for your Twitch stream, or an entire gaming setup like the Razer Blade 15, you can find it all at Razer by going to f5live.tv slash Razer. All right, so obviously the new consoles are coming. The next generation of uh, of gaming consoles, just a couple of months away. Both companies, both Microsoft and uh, Sony, have been making uh, announcements and big deals about what it is that's coming. Um, we've seen we've seen hardware. We saw Microsoft recently do their their first gaming showcase. There's um, likely another one coming in the next couple of weeks. Uh, and one of the games, obviously, that for Microsoft is always a big deal is the Halo franchise. Uh, this game is going to be called Halo Infinite. And uh, people want information, clearly. <laughs> and so uh, game listings have been going up. Uh, but one of the things that's interesting uh, is that one site actually put up a, uh, a game listing, uh, Smith's Toys put up a game listing for Halo Infinite that included some unknown information. Uh, in it, uh, it says the legendary Halo series returns with the most expansive Master Chief campaign yet and a groundbreaking free-to-play multiplayer experience. Enjoy up to 120 FPS and greatly reduced load times, creating seamless gameplay with Xbox Series X. Now... 120 frames per second is a uh, pretty big deal, <laughs> obviously. Um, that's one of the, uh, the kind of new hallmarks for the new console is enhanced FPS. And I'm not going to lie, don't care. That's not the part that stands out here for me. The part that stands out is the free-to-play multiplayer. Now, 
it could mean one of two things, or it could mean both of two things. Um, it could mean that, uh, unlike basically any other Microsoft Studio, uh, I think they're called Xbox Game Studios now, um, but <laughs> any uh, any of the Xbox branded games, um, that multiplayer may not require you to purchase the game, which would come from the the uh, the same playbook that Epic Games uses for Fortnite, where you don't have to purchase the game to play uh, one of the multiplayer modes, which is the one that most people play. Uh, and even though it's free to play, it's the one that generates the most revenue for the company. So it could mean that. It could also mean uh, it could be some evidence of a theory that's been going around based on some other evidence that Xbox Live Gold and Silver are about to go away and that everybody will get Xbox Live for free starting later this year. Ooh, again, if you're watching, the thing that just happened to Avram is fascinating. I cannot wait to show it to you later, Avram. Uh, anyway. No, um, I, I, can, I, can see, I can see it myself. Okay. I look like what happens at the end of... Uh, of uh, of uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey. Indeed. It's fascinating. I have no idea what's going on tonight. Um, anyway, uh, so the idea that Xbox Live would go completely free uh, has some uh, existing uh, evidence. The first being that um, the Xbox Game Pass Ultimate is getting the mobile streaming for free. Uh, without any uh, addition to the price for the service. Uh, also, Microsoft has discontinued the 12-month subscription for uh, Xbox Live Gold, which to some uh, some people called it a Microsoft money grab because the per month is the cheapest on the 12-month subscription. Uh, for me, I have maintained that they got rid of the 12-month subscription because in less than 12 months, there will no longer be a subscription. Um, so uh, this could play into that as well. It could be one, it could be other, it could be both. It would not surprise me if Microsoft took advantage of uh, its uh, flagship Xbox uh, franchise to experiment in the free-to-play realm um, to, to see if they can take on the, the Fortnite business model as Microsoft has been obviously has been experimenting with with uh, business models for games. Obviously, Game Pass is a great example of that. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised to see it, uh, but it also lends credence to the the free Xbox Live, which I think would be a big thing for them. So, what do you think, Abram? Yeah, I mean, I think I think that's great. It will obviously be a boon for consumers i think the question is what platforms would that go across would it only be for xbox hardware or would it also be pc would it would people be able to die i mean i guess for halo you can't really use that on other consoles so it doesn't really matter but would you be able to do cross if it applied to other titles would you be able to do cross play with it so i guess uh, we don't know so other platforms in this case could mean uh, Xbox Series X, Xbox One, PC, and mobile through xCloud. So technically, there are, there would be four platforms that you could 
you could free play across. And with xCloud, it's iOS and Android. If you wanted to, you could uh, you could emulate from there and play it in even greater places. But I wouldn't be surprised if uh, obviously it'll never come to PlayStation. <laughs> Although Microsoft right. does have a game on PlayStation, but that's because they bought Minecraft. Um, but uh, we won't see it come to PlayStation. But considering Microsoft's whole like uh, we're everywhere philosophy under Nadala, wouldn't be surprised if we started to see games start coming to uh, to Mac and maybe even Linux. I mean, there's the whole Microsoft Hearts Linux campaign. I wouldn't even be surprised if we saw it there. Uh, Microsoft games are even come to Steam. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, not to uh, to keep bringing bring bring up Raspberry Pi wherever I go, but when I, I I think as a lot of people here know, I have another show that I recently started called the Piecast, and which is on Tuesdays at two thirty Eastern. And on the first episode of that show, we had the founder of Raspberry Pi, Evan Upton, and one of the things that he said was he doesn't understand why there's not more of a gaming community around Raspberry Pi and why aren't more game developers supporting it. So, I don't know. Could we play Halo on it? Uh, if if you had Project yeah. X Cloud for it, you could. I was going to say, for sure you could. I mean, indirectly, it's not the most direct way to get there, but with with uh, a Linux distro, which is what we're dealing with there, you could easily put uh, an Android emulator on it. I don't know if there's an Android build for Raspberry Pi, which is the reason there I'm is. saying it. Okay, well then there you go. There, there is. And, but put, I, don't, I mean, I don't know if it's that great, but there there is one. But, but I think the, the issue isn't like hacking it, which uh -huh. I love More direct. Because, because that's that's fun, but... I think what, what what Upton's point was was, hey, we should actually have companies like Microsoft offering more direct support. Like, right. here's a he's not like you can hack it and find a way to play this, but like, which no, is here we actually are directly supporting it. Which, in fairness, is a big part of their community, which might be part of the the problem. <laughs> um, but yeah, but you know the the idea of uh, um a proper xCloud build for uh, Raspberry Pi actually totally makes sense to me. I'm, I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if it's in the works. I, just knowing the whole Microsoft we're everywhere philosophy right now, I wouldn't be shocked if there's not somebody within Microsoft, even, even in their off time in the garage building an xCloud build for, uh, for Raspberry Pi. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I mean, hope, hope, hopefully they are, because there's, uh, you know, Microsoft's point that we've talked to many times on the show is that they are not trying to do lock in mm -hmm. with their platform as much as they used to. They really want people to just use the software and use the services. Where wherever you are, it's kind of the, kind of the philosophy. If you're already there, so are we. So yeah, if if they hear enough of it. I bet they'll they'll start leaning that direction uh, naturally. So, uh, but uh, a free Xbox Live would be a big deal. A a, a Fortnite style free to play multiplayer experience would be a big deal. I have a feeling that there's going to be a little bit of both coming out of this. Um, 
the that quote about the game no longer exists on that website. We've linked to the page, but it is no longer there. Uh, my guess is it was not supposed to be there yet. And Microsoft freaked out and asked them to take it down. Um, but uh, but see, that's where journalism comes from, right? Like that's that's right, why when right we were place at the right time. The show about CES. It's why I'm so sad that there's yeah. not going to be an in-person CES, even though I don't think they should have one, but we're going to miss out on a lot of journalism mm -hmm. because what, when you only deal with stuff that's spoon-fed to you, then you're going to have the same information as everybody else. Right. And you're not going to break any stories and not going to be anything exciting. When you're there in person and you see, hey, somebody has something in their booth that they really weren't supposed to have. Mm -hmm. uh, somebody it's that, is it's that right place, right really time. Was supposed to be behind closed doors. Yeah, right place, right time, yeah. and that's what happened here. Somebody happened to be on the site, and they're like, "Hey, I've never heard them mention this before. I wonder what it means." So, uh, I wonder what it means. We all wonder what it means. And uh, holiday twenty twenty is coming quick. It will not be long before we know what it means. And if I had to guess. I would say since this made pretty big waves this week that at the next game showcase, we will probably find out what it means. Just a guess. Uh, Cause I can't imagine that they can ignore it officially for too much longer. This week's news from the tubes on F5 Live is proudly powered by Rift Tracks. Mike Nelson, Bill Corbett, and Kevin Murphy, the former stars of Mystery Science Theater 3000, are back and doing what they do best, creating commentaries for Hollywood blockbusters and B-movie oddities. It's like watching a movie with your funniest friends. And uh, to find out about the full-length features, the short films, and the live events, like the uh, Stranger Things Episode 1, uh, you can find all of that by going to f5live.tv slash tracks with an X. Alright, another week, another bit of information about the Twitter hack. Uh, this one is interesting to me in particular because it involves our area here. Um, uh, two big pieces of information came out this week. The first coming from Twitter uh, about how it happened, because obviously the how has been very uh, important to help prevent it from happening at Twitter and other companies in the future. Uh, it turns out the how uh, comes through what they call a sophisticated spear phishing attack, which um, essentially involves using social engineering to trick people inside the company in, uh, and very specific uh, people inside the company, hence the spear <laughs> versus just a general phishing attack, um, into giving up access uh, that they should not. The first round, they contacted whoever they could get a hold of. They got them inside of the, the company's network so that they could research policies and procedures so they could figure out who to, uh, who to go after in the second round so that they could get credentials to use the internal tools. And uh, from there, they were able to, as we all know, uh, tweet from some pretty high-profile uh, accounts and also access the uh, DMs of 30-something accounts. So 
The thing to learn here is um, if somebody calls you or messages you saying that they work for your company, um, they don't. <laughs> Never give your credentials to anybody, even if they say they work two cubicles down. That doesn't matter who it is. Don't give your information up. Um, the other big thing that came out was the who uh, and not the band. Um, so <laughs> I knew you'd appreciate that one, Abram. Um, so as it turns out, uh, three people were charged this week um, by the uh, U.S. Attorney's Office of the Northern District of California. Uh, according to the information that came from the Justice Department, three people, uh, Mason Shepard, a 19-year-old from the United Kingdom, Nima Fazelli, I'm going to guess, don't know, um, a 22-year-old from Orlando, Florida, and an unnamed uh, minor, which we'll deal with in a second, uh, uh, from Tampa, Florida, a 17-year-old from Tampa, Florida, uh, WFLA, which is our local NBC affiliate here in Tampa, uh, later identified the the minor as Graham Clark. Um, interestingly, Graham Clark, the 17-year-old, is uh, being considered the mastermind of of the attack, um, and the. U.S. attorney here in Florida, because it's a minor, so charges don't go across state lines. Um, so the U.S. attorney here in Florida has charged him with 30 felonies. <sighs> Which is a lot. Um, we've got 17 counts of communications fraud, uh, fraudulent use of personal information uh, with over $100,000 and 30 or more victims, which is definitely the case because uh, it came out to 113,000 uh, that they stole. Uh, 10 counts of fraudulent use of personal information, uh, one count of access to a computer without authority, which is what we expected, and uh, one count of organized fraud, which... If he's the mastermind, he got at least two other people involved. That's organized. Um, uh, but well, thirty all felonies. I can say the other two is don't let don't let some teenager talk you into a crime, <laughs> right? Because there's the possible you know. there's the possibility that there's some social engineering involved there too, right? Um, right. That that he may have used some social engineering techniques to get these other two involved if he's the mastermind. Which is a fascinating yes. bit of information. Seventeen-year-old, seventeen-year-old master. I mean, why not? Uh, True. Have, has nobody seen War Games? Uh, hackers. How old was Matthew Broderick really? Hackers. I don't like to talk. I don't like to talk about that movie. What? It's such a bad movie. Spinning phone booth hacking. Come on. <laughs> it's the dumbest thing that's <laughs> ever been on the big screen. <laughs> that was. That's so bad. But uh, anyway, I love to talk about the, that movie uh, because it's so bad. <laughs> that I mean, that movie was so bad that like I, I was at NYU when they came out with Hackers and they parts of it, I think, show NYU. And I was watching it in the movie theater <laughs> there and like the most realistic hacking was people coughing. <laughs> 
it was really <laughs> they show some kind of like 3d animation and angelina jolie like hits three keys and she hacks into the nuclear codes or something it's like unbelievable hack the gibson the, sir uh, the terrible hacking there hack the gibson yeah i've seen the movie so many times i have it I on dvd to suppress it. <laughs> Try it's, to suppress it. It's one of those um, movies that I go back to from time to time just to remember how few people actually understand what hacking is. Yes. <laughs> even yes, with exactly. experts on staff, they still came up with that nonsense. Anyway. <laughs> yes. We we had uh, we have periodically had these discussions at Tom's Hardware. We had one the other day about like what what the someone mentioned swordfish and i was like well, that's not a really good movie either <laughs> um but uh anyway yeah i mean uh, i guess it's good they arrested this person we, we certainly don't want people spearfishing people need to be conscientious about what they get in their email they need to be to be wary mm-hmm. period we've seen it too many times the same thing. Uh, spear phishing is also how people got a hold of how he, uh, Guccifer, was it Guccifer 2.0, got a hold of emails from the Clinton campaign. Mm-hmm. So you don't, don't, don't be an idiot. <laughs> I mean, I guess, I guess it's easier said than done, right? Because people can easily be fooled. Mm-hmm. And the larger a company that you're in, the easier it is yeah. to fool people because maybe you don't know who this person is. I mean, it used to be, you know, I remember when I started at, at laptop mag several years ago, I knew every single person If some stranger emailed me, I would know as a stranger. Now we have so many yeah. different people getting hired in, in, uh, in my company that I get mail from someone, maybe even someone who's worked there a long time. I'm like, Oh, who's this person? Right. Yeah. And, and, so you just have to be careful about what information you give out and assume that anything is anyone and anything is suspect. Absolutely. And I know I know I mentioned it last week. I'll mention it again this week because it really is a great explanation and involves a story of spearfishing. There's uh there's the song Social Engineering uh by the the nerdcore rapper YT Cracker, which is who whose uh whose backstory is uh suspiciously similar to uh the main character in Hackers, by the way. Um anyway. <laughs> I'm fairly certain his story is the basis for the movie. But um anyway, uh the the, the song explains spearfishing and probably exactly what happened here, uh the process that they went through uh to to figure out who to say they were, who to uh, who to target within the company once you got the policies down. It's it's a really weirdly detailed song. <laughs> but anyway, um, be careful. Doesn't matter whether you're a consumer or an employee at a company. Be careful who you give information to. Uh, and definitely never give your credentials to anybody. Because nobody's going to actually ask for that. Unless they're trying to get you in trouble. So... Thank you. 
This week's DRM Not Included in F5 Live is proudly powered by Amazon Prime. We all know that Prime offers free shipping on millions of products, but that isn't all you get. In fact, for your $99, free shipping might be your least favorite feature. Free music with Amazon Prime Music, free TV, movies, and documentaries with Amazon Prime Video, free games, and a free sub on Twitch Prime, and a whole lot more. To learn more, uh, get links to all of these features and get a 30-day free trial. You can do all of that by going to f5live.tv slash prime. All right. I don't know that we ever necessarily covered this early on, um, but uh, it's a topic that I talk about a lot uh, outside of this show when I'm talking about um, the importance of owning your content if you're building content like ours online and not relying on other people to do it for you um, because uh, things happen. In this particular case, uh, Patreon removed an account uh, for a content creator, a comedian, uh, Owen Benjamin. Uh, they claimed because of uh, because his content violated their terms of service, which is fine. Um, you know, it's the it's the site's it's the site's brand. They have the the right to uh, to do that, but obviously they have to do it within their own rules and within the rules of the contract that they they create with their users. In this particular case, um, the contract of their users stated that uh, for the money that the users paid, they had access to the user's content. And when the content went away, they didn't get their money back. And so that is uh, a violation of the contract. So a group of them got together and individually sued Patreon for violation of contract. Pretty, pretty reasonable uh, if you've paid for something that has gone away to uh, to take action to either get the thing you paid for or get your money back. Now, here's where it gets interesting. Patreon's terms of service uh, allowed for individual arbitration through uh, California's uh, arbitration laws, which require the company to pay upfront for the legal fees of the user. So, for each user who sued... Uh, Patreon was required to pay their legal fees for the individual arbitration, not group arbitration, but individual up front. So Patreon panicked, changed their terms of service, did not notify their users of the change of terms until they arrived on the site. And the new service said, by visiting the site, you have accepted our terms of service. Oops. So there was no way of knowing that just by visiting the site that you were going to be giving up your ability for individual arbitration and your rights under California's arbitration laws. So obviously a new lawsuit was filed <laughs> uh, trying to invalidate the terms of service. That has been going on for a little under a year. Uh, and last month, a judge ruled against Patreon uh, the details of the ruling came out, uh, I think it was on Friday, maybe it was Thursday, uh, detailing what had happened. And uh, essentially, the judge said that Patreon's ac actions uh, were like changing the rules of the game once you've started playing. Uh, and that they could not do that. And so uh, any lawsuits involved... 
from the change prior uh, fell under the old terms of service. Um, so all of these individual suits are individual suits. Patreon will have to pay the legal fees up front for all of them. Uh, and anybody who wants to sue either o- over the Owen Benjamin dismissal or any content creators who were dismissed prior to this change um, all fall under this. It is expected that Patreon's upfront legal fees will be at least $20 million this year alone. <sighs> Can they not just offer everybody to send their money back now? Maybe. I don't know if... Uh, I don't know once the suit is filed. I don't know if that is... Uh, going to deal with the legality of it um, because that might be considered uh, settling and so the legal fees up front are still having to be paid so it might be 20 million plus giving their money back I don't know (laughs) but yeah that's wow they did not (laughs) they did not think about so this only people who were fans of Owen Benjamin um, anybody who was a paid fan of Owen Benjamin or a paid fan of anybody else dismissed uh, under these same rules prior to uh, can file suit under well, these it rules. Sounds like <laughs> sounds like uh, that Patreon is just not very smart mm-hmm. about their business. They should have they should have figured out. Uh, I think probably what they were trying to do was avoid a class action. So they created a situation where, where they had to go to individual arbitration. Mm-hmm. And so that's usually more favorable to a company because it, then, then no one can do a class action. Right. And then it's arbitration, not, not court. So they like that better. However, but being filed in California <laughs> sets them up for all kinds of different rules because California well, is a different beast. They were trying. They should have. Uh, they should have let the class action lawsuit happen, because then what they would do is give her eventually end up paying the lawyers a few million dollars and paying everybody eleven a few bucks. bucks. Now, yeah, it's something really crappy. But I, I feel. I mean, I feel um, some sympathy, some empathy for Patreon because obviously they were trying to protect their business. Mm-hmm. But also, they're trying to protect their business by enforcing some kind of decency rule, because um, you know Owen Owen Benjamin. I mean, I can't speak for I don't know who else was banned and why they were banned, but Owen Benjamin is uh, is a terrible bigot. So indeed, you know, you know, let's let's just be clear about like what what he did. He's a Holocaust denier. Mm-hmm. He he's talked favorably about slavery. Uh, not a good person. Uh, not yet. So I understand why Patreon would be embarrassed. Forget whether or not they think he's a bad person and these are bad ideas and they don't want to be a part of it. It's bad publicity for their business. Sure. Especially right? bad, especially publicity for their business when, when their business model is similar to YouTube's in, in that, you know, his brand is, let's say, 
owenbenjamin.patreon.com, just like, you know, youtube.com slash Tom's Hardware or youtube.com slash Plug Hits Live, right? It's, it is a sub-brand to theirs versus tomshardware.com or pluckitslive.com, which is just us. You know, it's just got our names on it. And so it reflects directly to to them because their logo is at the top of the page. Right. And they, they have to sell. I mean, I don't know. Does Patreon even sell ads? No, I guess they're Mm -hmm. just expecting people to, to pay. Uh, It's a hundred percent, but it's a hundred percent, uh, uh, pay content. It's, um, the idea is that it's um, uh, a bonus. On, the it's a bonus on top of content. So, like, uh, what we've thought about with Patreon is that we could publish CES interviews as they're edited, without text, without all the write-up, without all the stuff that makes it take forever for us to publish to Patreon. You know, people pay five bucks a month or whatever, and they get all of our stuff just raw as it happens, versus people who are getting it for free, paying whatever, you know, getting it when it comes out, having the ads attached to it and stuff like that. So that's what it is. It's like a, it's, it's like a subscription on, on Twitch where you're, you're paying to get a couple of bonus things and, and to support the content creator of your choice. Right. So while they could make the point that, Hey, look, we don't, we're not, they could make the Facebook argument. We're not arbiters of content. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, we let anybody on our service, but I think they've they've seen that that's been very negative publicity yeah, it has. Uh, for a lot of services. And so if they have somebody who's flagrantly bigoted on there, it's not good for their business. Sure. Forget whether they think it's a good or bad thing morally. It's not good. It's not a good look for them. Right. For sure. And and, you know, the idea of 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 discontinuing an account like I said at the beginning, totally their choice. It's why I always recommend people build their own brand on their own soil, <laughs> use other things as bonus. Um, but, you know, in, in this particular case, I 100% support the decision they made. Um, but the process through which they went to do it was wrong. They should have... They terminated the account. They should have prorated everybody who had paid for a subscription, returned the prorated or even the whole monthly amount. Cause it sure be a lot less than what they're going to pay here. Um, but you know, right. Have a policy prorate, you know, there's 11 days left in your month. All right. You get a third of your money back. Uh, and the account's terminated. Boom. They could, if they had done that, right, that would- there would have been nothing to complain about here. Because it wouldn't have been a violation of the contract, right? Yep, pretty foolish of them. Yeah, one simple little mistake is going to cost them a lot, and in a time when there's so many alternatives now, even the most high-profile Facebook and YouTube accounts now have this feature built in, where you don't have to leave the plate, the other place that you already are to get the, the closed paid for content, you know, they're, they're already losing market share partially because of the, the way they handled this. And partially because there's so many options today, it's a bad place to be. Uh, and having to fork up another 20 million isn't going to make it better for them. So, 
I don't know. It, if you're relying on Patreon right now, you, you might want to be looking at alternatives because there's no telling how 20 million is going to hit them because it could be hard. So, just a warning. Well, that is our show. Thank you to those of you who joined us live. We always appreciate it. If you didn't join us live and would like to in the future, Sunday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern, you can go to f5live.tv slash join us. And there you can chat with us in the studio, give your feedback uh, on the topics as we talk about them, which we always like. Um, hello to JR Clips on, uh, on YouTube, who I just see a comment from. So there we go. There's people saying hi in the chat room. Uh, as we speak. Uh, if you're not able to join us live, that's okay too. Uh, you can uh, always go to plughitslive.com slash subscribe and there you'll see all of our shows and all the many, many ways that you can uh, uh, subscribe to us or stay in contact with us as well. The uh, topic of contact this week that both Abram and I would like is... Uh, uh, how can we create coverage of CES this year in the all digital realm that would be interesting for you? What kind of stuff would you like to see from us? Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Find us on social media, click on the, the email, the Facebook, the Twitter, wherever, and let us know. Uh, and I guess uh, with that, on uh, behalf of the staff that's not here, I'm Scott. I'm Abram. And we will see you guys back next time. Ciao. 